This is the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Abraham's Wallet spans the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. And welcome to the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Yeah, welcome to uh, Z104 FM. I'm here with celebrity guest and occasional co-host, Stephen Manuel. Occasionally, you're the host, and I'm the co-host, but we go back and forth. Those are the great episodes when I play host. Yeah. Um, hi, Mark. It's... Uh, what is it? It's summer. It's summer around here. My it's, kids just finished standardized testing. It's a sunny day. We're out Shabbat of school. Eve. It is Shabbat Eve. I've got on exercise shorts. I'm either going to shoot baskets after this or jump around or something. Something delightful. Mm. So I hope everyone's having as relaxing a day. I hope people listen to this while they're running. I know my friend Johnny Seeds. That's really his name. His middle name has got to be Apple, right? He's been Anyways. on the Abraham's Wallet blog. There's a fantastic article about... He says he, he says he listens to us running. So special shout out to the runners listening to this. Keep, um, keep your cadence high and your feet underneath your hips. Don't reach out there and try to go faster by, you know... Yeah, what do you think you are? Yeah. Don't do that. You're going to end up with knees. sore knees. Um. I got something I want to talk about here at the top before we get into the meat of this episode, which is going to be about groups and specifically how to put a men's group together. Do we need some music for like Steven's weekly rant segment? Yes. (laughs) Make me a a little zinger, a little stinger for uh, Steve's weekly rant. Okay, here's the rant. (laughs) The rant is, um, I want to talk about, I want to talk about identity for a second. And it's not just for us. It's for, it's for the way we lead our homes. Um, here's what I want to say. The, 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 the word out on the street is that the most important thing about a woman is that she's a woman. That's the most important thing. And you can buy t-shirts. You can buy TV shows that are all about the glorification of being a woman. You can, buy, you can go to the Christian bookstore and buy all these books that are about, this is about being a woman. Um, or you could find your identity in your, say, racial background. Now, I don't want to get into too much of an argument about this, but the Bible doesn't know anything of races. I don't know if you knew that, but the Bible says that we are all of one race and one blood. So the Bible doesn't really know anything about races, but um, you could, I know that, you know, societally, we've got a race. So you can find all of your identity, say, in your race if you want to. And I could look around your house and go, wow. Your, the color of your skin really is very important to you. You find a lot of identity there. And I just want to say to our dudes, those things do not, they, they hardly figure at all into who you are. Um, who you are, your identity, is that you're a son of God. That's, that's your identity. So it just so happens that, you know, if you looked on my birth certificate, it would say I'm from Texas. If you looked on my mail, it would say I'm an Ohioan. If you put me up to get an eye test, it would say I had whatever vision and whatever eyes, my driver's license says, whatever color eyes. I'm however tall. You could describe my skin as being some tone. None of these things are important. If you didn't know that as a believer, these things do not define who we are. So strongly does the Bible put this that it says that in Christ, in Christ and the 
the being in himness, you can even, it, it even disintegrates whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. That's a shocking, that's a shocking thing. It disintegrates that, whether you're a Jew or Gentile, whether you're a slave or free. In, in our verbiage, whether you are an equity holder or an employee, it gets disintegrated in, in the world of being a son of God. Even male or female, when it comes to following Christ, the, the basic description of who I am is that I'm a follower of Christ. That is the basic description of my wife. I'm a follower of Christ. Now, I have certain jobs and responsibilities that put me in a little category. If you think those things are important, I'll just say those categories are different for me now than they were 15 years ago. They, will be, they were remarkably different 20 years ago. And they will be different 20 years from now. That's how short-term some of these stupid categories like to say, I'm a husband or even that I'm a father. I believe that God's called me to be a father. I think it's a wonderful thing. It doesn't define who I am. Who I am as a follower of Christ. I was a follower of Christ before I was, before I was a father. I'll be a follower of Christ after fatherhood is no more, because in ter- eternity, I won't have children. I'll just have peers. Or just We'll just have brothers and sisters in eternity. I'm sure my kids will love me in, in eternity somehow. But that the fathering thing, it's just a window of time. And so for those of us who are confused about, say, making your race the first thing that you would say about yourself, you are mistaken. It's not, it's not who you are. It's, it's not the main thing about you. And those things are temporal. They're going away. Now, I, I, I don't, I know I'm not ranting just to correct our listeners, although I'm sure there's room for that. But specifically, this really makes a difference to how we parent our children and what we underline to them. What makes our family unique and different? What distinguishes us from our neighbors and the people across the street and the people that we see on TV and the people that we see downtown? What distinguishes us? And I'm warning you that if, if what you say to your children, so my, we, we are Mexican. That's kind of one of our family identities. My wife is Mexican. My children are part Mexican. I'm of Spanish heritage. I'm not Mexican. But the Mexicanness and speaking Spanish and all of that stuff, that's kind of one of the decorations of our family. And it's not who we are. And I'm not, and, and, and I'm, you know, it's fun to give your children an identity based on uh, where we came from. And, you know, we, we, we like them to feel like Texans. We give them some Texas and Texan experience. We go to Texas, we take them to the rodeo and um, we like them to be able to speak some Spanish with their abuelo and their abuela. And, you know, that's kind of fun stuff. But when I talk to my kids about who we are, who they are and who they're going to be for their lives, I do not talk to them about freaking girl power or um, this is what this is what it means to be an Ohioan, my child. You know, I want you to I want you to receive this into your heart that you're a you're a Texas A and M Aggie University family like that. That's so stupid and it's so temporal and it doesn't it. it it doesn't hang right on us. We were made for eternity. The Ecclesiastes says eternity is in our hearts. And guess what? Texas A&M University can't bear the weight of eternity. And the state that I was born in can't bear the weight of eternity. And our nationality backgrounds can't bear the weight of eternity. And even finding identity in our in our genders, that can't bear the weight of eternity. I'm going I know this might sound crazy for, for, all, for all we do screaming about uh, manliness around here. And I do believe there is godly manliness. I do believe there's godly womanness and femininity. And we rejoice in those things. But I'm talking about at the end of the day, what are we as a family? What we teach our children is who we are as a family. We follow Jesus. We have a king. And what distinguishes us is that we follow Jesus. It's not, watch out world, here comes a girl. 
I would never want that in my children's hearts. I would want them to say, watch out world. Here comes a carrier of the kingdom of the king of all kings. You know, that's what I want in them. So I, I just wanted to shoot a shot across the bow of the identity nonsense that happens in in all over Christianity today. And, and again, it's supported. I know it's supported on all of your media feeds. I know it's supported in the Christian bookstore. They, may, they can make money off of categorizing us and letting us find our identities in these categories. And it's just utter nonsense. That's not who we are as people of God. End of rant. Can I ask one question on that for our No list? questions. This is called a rant. And when you rant, you are so worked into a lather that you can't take any questions. Okay, one question. Okay. I think a lot of people that are hearing this are familiar, even if they're engaged in some of the, the identities that culture wants to throw on us, the big ones like, you know, you said I'm gender, race, sexual orientation, political, all that stuff. Oh, yeah, I should have mentioned political parties. What do you see as if somebody is uh, aware of the dangers of those enough to maybe have avoided some of them? Are there any sneaky ones that you see creeping around the church? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is, is, is the sports, sports thing, sports and mm-hmm. colleges that we, you know, I, I do this too. You know, I have a friend named Paul. <clears throat> who's a he's a middle-aged white guy like me um i have a friend named john who's an older black guy and i remember introducing paul to john and going hey this is a steelers guy right here y'all are, y'all are both steelers guys so you know i don't know what you're supposed to do talk about ben whether you think ben is a rapist or not hey let's talk about big ben <laughs> um so uh it's just strange these these identities we wear and i know people who we i live here in cincinnati i know people who the first thing that they would say about themselves is oh i'm an ohio ohio state guy um oh man my my head just hangs at that i get it it's fun and blah 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 and i have a dallas mavericks um sweatshirt (laughs) that i wear occasionally but um that's the when you're asking sneaky to me, sneaky is something that is so widely approved of that nobody questions it. And identity from sports and teams and universities is one of those things that I don't know that I've ever heard a preacher who's not myself to knock those things down um, and, and criticize them. So that's one comes to mind. What, what, anything come to mind for you being sneaky identities? I live in a weird place uh, out here in Utah where it's the number How about one. Runner? How about runner? Sure. I think for me, you know, it's whatever the hobby is that year, which yep. it will be different. But a lot of those things, you know, crossfitter, uh, runner, lifter, gun guy, whatever it is, um, those are real. I think in this city I live in, in Salt Lake, a hundred percent like it's a it's a not even you don't have to joke about it people know that when you move into a new house you might go next door with a beer in your hand to meet the neighbors as a way of saying i am not a mormon or i am a mormon and if you don't Mm. there's these things people do whether it's having a cup of coffee visible like to signal whether they're a part of the mormon church or not a part of the the lds church Oh, because and, Mormons don't drink coffee. Right. And so if you've got a coffee cup, that's the, that's the wink. Right. I'm not a Mormon. I didn't know that. That's, that's kind of cute. It's kind of cool. And so I've noticed it even creeping inside of other f- parts of religious life in my city where there's uh, conservative church people. And this is true in every city, right? But um, here we have a culture of like drawing really hard lines around religious identity. Uh, and it used to be that if you said, I'm a Orthodox Christian person, 
whatever Baptist or whatever you called yourself in this city. And I was a different type of Orthodox Christian person. We'd just be like, Oh, we should hang out and have dinner. Like there's not that many of us. Right. Um, but as the city grows and changes and expands, that's, that's changing. And we're starting to sort of do some of the things that I've seen that I think are really toxic us do as a city with the, you are Mormon or not. Um, and we're doing it inside of, of church. And I bet that happens intra Christendom. I bet it happens inside of individual big churches, uh, all sorts of things. So I'm not you saying just, just grouping up into little affiliations inside of Christianity instead of just going like, we're Jesus people. Oh, we're Christians. Great. But having little categories that you, that you fit into. Sure. And I and think not it, mixing. And I think it hinders the, the way we talk to other people about the invitation of Christ here, because of course. it's not just, Jesus said it would, it's not just, you need to, hear this thing he preached about and believe it it's now and we're going to lay on you all these other things um so that might be a little bit unique to my town in some ways but um i just learned something this week uh do you know who worldwide wob is no okay he's a he's a twitter powerhouse uh nba guy and I just learned this week, he's from Salt Lake City. Oh, wow. You should look him up. On, on, look him up on Twitter. Worldwide Wob. He's the best. Cool. Okay. All right. Now then, move on. Sounds like it's time. Okay. Um, I would like to talk about um, groups. So here's the setup. Um, church, as most people have ever known it, has been burned to the ground. And they have, we have all thought, well, I can hold my breath for a little while. And uh, maybe it felt like a break. Oh, great. I don't have the pressure to go to the church house. Um, and then it begins to uh, eat at you where, wait a second, would I'm not getting any encouragement or challenge or input and I'm not getting fed anywhere spiritually. And you're either dying on the vine spiritually, or you have personally done something to kind of replace the, the edification that you once experienced in the big box, the, the big, the big barn, the big church barn. So that means you're either watching your church, your church's hit and miss job of trying to become a TV show, or you watch, or you're watching a better TV show that's not your church while you still go, oh, yeah, I'm still part of the local thing with people. Or you might have even gone to plan B, which is maybe I could just meet up with a couple of guys who I, I already know and trust. And I think they want Jesus the same way that I do. And I don't know, maybe we could just meet up. Um, if so, what that meeting is properly called, everyone, is church. That's what, that, that's what that meeting is properly called. Because the Bible doesn't know anything of these centralized organizations and a guy who's in charge of hundreds of people telling them, and this week we're studying this concept. That doesn't exist in the Bible. So in the Bible, the church is a network of relationships. And if you are not personally related to networked and related to somebody, you have a very tenuous connection about them being part, part of their, they can be part of Jesus's church, of course, but to say that they're part of my church, but I don't know their name and I don't even know where they live. And I don't know who's in their family. You'd have a hard time justifying that in the, in the biblical picture. So, Anyways, I see a I, I see a newfound interest, which is kind of exciting, in people saying, "How do I meet with a handful of guys and get at least as much nutrition as I used to get going and sitting 
silently in a barn while they put on a show in front of me. Um, so I'd like to talk about that. Yeah, let's talk. I, I think it's funny because the church that we worship with has been doing their online thing. I'm sure this is common to most of the people that are listening to this. They've gotten some sort of online invite to attend church on some technology platform. And we went once and they sent a little survey out and I love the people here and I desperately miss worshiping with these people, but I had to be honest in my response to the survey, which was I will never ever again turn on online church because it felt like the lamest, most soul crushing thing I have done in a really long time (laughs) to sit there and sing at my TV Yeah, and try to, you know, so I totally resonate with what you're saying. We've had great time as a family worshiping. Yes. It just hasn't come through the box as you phrased it. Yes. Yeah. I, I, the most painful thing, I think the most painful thing of quarantine altogether. Um, well, if I put aside losing our, our business and all income, I'm just put that on one side, but the most emotionally kind of painful thing for me has been worshiping in the presence of other people, worshiping God. Um, and we do, we do weekly worship and it's, we're, we're, we're doing a zoom call right now. Oh, and it is just not as good. It's a frustrating. So anyways, yes. I have heard of healings happening via zoom from your crew out there in Cincinnati though. So I won't completely knock the technology. It's just, no, no, no. Don't ask me to do Instagram live church. Yeah, that's right. No, there's a lot of things that can be done virtually. I my the days of me knocking on webinars and blah blah blah, those days are over. Um, there's a lot of things that can be done digitally, which are amazing, and connecting relationally, which I never stopped doing. So I haven't felt any pain from like isolating from people because we never stopped doing that. But um, connecting with people relationally and connecting with people spiritually as we worship God together. That's, that's a zero. That's a huge, huge miss. I, I can't, I can't imagine people who, you know, like old people who, to go, I, I really don't think I should touch people and have been that way for months now. Whew. I can't imagine rough. Anyhow, back to the groups. So I want to talk about, yeah, you, you're leaning in like you want to say something. That was just a nod. Yes. That kind of well, you don't have to get closer to the microphone to nod. Kind of. I do. I'm saying it. Okay. <laughs> That's what a nod it's is just a, by definition. It's just the natural. Okay. All right. All okay, right. fine. I was falling asleep. Okay. I was falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, so let's talk about what, what makes a good group. And I, and some of, some of these ideas come from a conversation I had with my good buddy, Adam, this week, we talked about this and he has some hot sports opinions based on experience. So the first thing, just, just, just bucket wise, just general things is that you don't want an accountability group. You don't want that thing that you did in high school or college where guys sit around and compare sins. I used to have a, a list of accountability questions because I picked that up somewhere in my Baptist days to walk through a meeting with. This is how can we keep our minds pure? It Let's was called just, manuals manual. Manuals manual doesn't. It, does it, it has a list questions? of sins. Okay. Well, manuals manual, I still stand by, but I've, I'm, I have certainly edited out the, uh, this, this list of sins at the back. God, God forgive us for those days. But um, we, we just don't want 
number one, the sin isn't the isn't the theme of the meeting. And secondly, for men, particularly sitting around and sharing your feelings isn't the point of the meeting. We we hate that. Everybody's stomach turned just just now when I said that. That, that is not what we want from a group of guys. Um, if if I had a friend who said, "Hey, I'm starting a meeting. I want you to be part of it." And I was like, "Oh, those are all great guys. Okay, I'll come to the meeting." And then he told me basically, "We're just going to go around and share how we're do- how's everybody doing this week and how are you feeling." Great meeting, guys. Come back next week. We're going to talk about how we're feeling and how we're doing. I would resent him, and I would feel that everybody who agreed to that group was less masculine. I would just think, I respect these guys less after this. This this has been a big gross bummer. You don't want that. Don't do it. That's a aggressive opinion. Yeah, it's an aggressive opinion. All right. All right. Second. Um, we, you want a format for your meeting where, um, guys get to, they get to stand up a little bit on their own. So if you, if you'll allow this where they get to peacock a little bit and just go, I, here's something I can do. I can do this. I can lead other men, not in a bad way, but just in a, just in a bro way, like just, Hey, I, I love my friend Adam because he can lead. Well, I want him to lead when I'm with him. If you've attended Shabbat at somebody else's dinner, I remember the first time I went to a Shabbat dinner at my friend Michael's house. And Michael has a bunch of kids. There's a bunch of little kids. I just assumed he would do the least amount possible for Shabbat. And he just nailed it. He just completely, when, when dinner started, he just took over and he just started running this beautiful talk about the Bible. He's, he's pulling his, pulling memory verses out of his kids and calling everybody, calling on me and my family. And, and it was so exciting because I was in that room going, I'm underneath Michael's authority right now as he leads this meeting. And boy, is this guy capable. He, boy, is he a leader. Um, so we want to be able to see that from all of the guys in our group. And not everybody's going to walk into the group able to do that wonderfully, but there needs to be an expectation. Hey, if you're in this group, you're going to show up and we're going to depend, depend on you to give us some of your strength, you know, come on, let's go. Um, and Shabbat is a great, like way for a dad to do that in a family because I mean when we we do a lot of inviting people to Shabbat and it's their first experience with the whole thing they don't have any context and even then I usually try to grab the dad because of what you're saying and say okay I know you didn't come prepared but I'm going to give you a little bit of instruction and you're going to do this thing I just want you to put your hands on the sons and bless them with the things that you think that will help build your family. And, and so like, it's really important to me when somebody comes to our house for Shabbat that I would let their dad taste it a little bit just to sort of get him excited. What kind of stuff can you do in a meeting of guys that's not formatted around Shabbat? We'll get to that. So uh, I'm just talking about generalities. Don't make it an accountability group. Don't be a sharing feelings group. Make it a group where guys have to stand up. They have to show a little leadership. Um, and you, you want guys to be eager and excited to see what their friends will share. And you want this to be an upbeat meeting. If it's like, this is the grim death of sobriety about following Jesus. We're going to do this for two hours. Thanks guys. See you next week. You kind of sound like Jocko though, when you do that. (laughs) That kind of turns you on a little bit. Um, uh, that, that meeting ain't going to go that great. Um, that, that meeting's going to peter out pretty quick. So you want it to be upbeat and fun and snappy and unexpected, et cetera. So, um, let me just give my 
I'm talking about a guys group here. I'm not talking about um, how do I run church for my family? We're not talking about Shabbat for your family. I'm talking about a guys group that, that keeps you on fire. Um, okay. So let, let me, let me also say this, the point of the group, and this might be a higher bar than some of you are, are prepared for, but heck, I'll just act like you're, you want to do what I say. So the point of the group would be, we are all trending towards becoming full on disciples of Jesus in every way. And so this meeting is going to catch you where you are. It's not going to expect you to be somewhere else, but we're going to expect you to be, it's going to catch you where you are. We want total honesty and we want total willingness just to obey the Lord in the next thing that he has for you. And so there's going to be a culture of expectation that we're all in when it comes to Jesus, that we're going to, we're, we're disciples. We're going to follow him. And so whatever he's saying, we agree with, we, of course we agree with, I mean, that's not even a, do you agree with Jesus as, as a nonsense question to a follower? Of course. Yeah. Whatever he says we're going to do. So there has to be, an expectation in this group, we're going after him. And I'll say more about this in a minute, but setting that bar high for the, for the guys around you, it will, it will attract the kind of guys you want and it will repel the guys that you don't want. And there might be cool guys who are fun to be around, who are fun to talk to that should not be part of your group because they are, casual Christians on the surface only. They don't want to be honest. They don't want to do business with their soul. They don't want to confess sin. They don't want to challenge each other. And guys, I'm putting my hand on your shoulder when I say this, you don't want that guy to be in your group because you want guys who are, who are running after Jesus with such honestly that with such honesty and zeal that, that it convicts you. That's, that's who I want in my group. The guys who they're, boy, they are really laying on, boy, they're being honest. Wow. They really had that conversation with their kid or their wife or their friend or their boss, man. And it convicts me. And I go, boy, am I following Jesus the same way these guys are? That's who you want in your group. So I'll just say, you should also set the bar high and you should have in mind the kind of culture that you want in your group. And then, as I'll say in a minute, you want to advertise that to your guys. Any thoughts, Mark? What if you're the you're listening to this and saying, "I could think of a lot of those guys, but I'm a little worried if I'm one of those guys." Yeah, well, the best way to become one of those guys, according to Scripture, is to surround yourself with those guys. Just form the group before they listen to this podcast, so that they don't go. Yeah, just act like it was all your idea. Totally, it's totally fine. Um, yeah, so the, there are scriptures that say whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. And there's a lot of proverbs about the friends that you keep and that they, they actually change your character. They, they affect who you are. And so you might have heard, if you want to be, become richer, hang around rich people and you will... Um, start to learn their ways. You know, you got to talk about money with these people. Um, don't don't just go to sit in the box seats with them. Talk about yeah. Don't um, don't try to buy the same wine they buy when you go to a no. restaurant. <laughs> no, don't don't live their lifestyle. Just hang around them and ask them questions about money. And and you know, I've done this in my life, which is submit my. Um, the things I'm considering financially to, to people who know what they're doing with money. Mark's one of those people that I do that with and say, I'm making, I'm, I got this consideration with money. What do you think about this? What would you do? And generally what these people say, well, I wouldn't do that with money. You go, dang it. <laughs> I guess I can't buy that third car. Cause that's a stupid thing for me to do with money. Okay. Well, all right. Um, Anyways, that, that's true of godliness as well. There's peer pressure was always talked about in negative terms when I was a kid, but peer pressure is a wonderful thing. God made it. 
God made it so that when you're around a, guy, a group of guys who all love Jesus more than you do, you can feel that you're at the back of the pack. You can feel it. These guys are on fire. I'm a dum-dum sitting on my hands. What am I doing? And you will walk away feeling, man, I barely belong in this group. What? Gosh, I need to get out my Bible. I need to read my Bible. You're darn straight. You need to read your Bible. That's a good thing to have a group of dudes around you whose lives put peer pressure on you towards godliness is a wonderful thing. There's not enough of that these days. I'll just say that the 1 Corinthians 10, 29, that's what comes to mind. That might be wrong, but there is a verse that says, um, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That means sit around and get creative about how I can tempt, badger, urge, push my friends and the people who are around me, push them closer to being to being Christ-like. And dude, make that verse the starter for your for the first week of you're together with your group. It's that we, we want that badly. Okay, now I'm gonna get to, to some specifics. So you you asked how do you get guys to kind of do their thing with the group. One suggestion is that you you pass um, teaching duties around the group. Now, every group is going to have to have a leader. Um, groups without leaders crumble. But as the leader, let's say it's you, um, when you get these guys together, you can pass teaching duties around the group. So you can say week one will be Adam, week two will be Jonathan, week three will be Michael and week four will be Steven. And we're going to stay on that. And you have to turn in, let's say we meet on a Thursday night, say Thursday morning, I want you to send me a one sentence text that tells me what you're talking about tonight and tells me the, the passage that you're coming out of. Because the fact is people need follow-up. They need somebody watching over them. It's the way we are. So, Somebody is always going to have to be leading it, but that person doesn't have to be teaching every time. I don't think that's healthy because we're not trying to create a little cult. We're trying to create a brotherhood. You know, I think our listeners will find it charming that you initiated this with me when I was 17 and meeting in your apartment. Uh, yeah. There would be weeks where 17-year-old Mark had to teach. Yeah, that's um, right. And that was, you know, more than 20 years ago. Yep, that's right. And when people start teaching for the first time, they will feel like I'm not qualified to teach. I don't know how to teach. I'm sure this is bad. And guys, it might be bad. It might be really bad. And the, you don't need to react to that unless it's unbiblical which it probably won't be because a scared teacher will just go, this is what the verse says. And um, we should all do, well, maybe we should all just do what this verse says. Perfect. You get an A plus from me on that. Wonderful. And then I would just react to that as if this was excellent. Guys, let's react to this wonderful teaching that we've just heard right now. He just gave a scripture. So it's an A plus. What's the problem? And, and um the fact is nobody's great the first time they teach. Nobody shoots a basketball right the first time they shoot a basketball. You've got to do it. So I want to be around guys who, biblically speaking, they have an ambition to become elders. Not, not, not that they're helping to run a church. I couldn't care less about that. But they, they want to be the kind of men that First Timothy 3 and Titus 1 describe as this is a pillar man in the church. And so one of the things that's in those lists is that you've got to teach. And as Mark's saying, you can't lead your family if you don't know how to teach. And you certainly should be able to give a five minute teaching to a group of bros who are going to rejoice in any half baked thing that comes out of your mouth that agrees with the scripture. So I think we have to do that. And it, if you want a, a little group around you where you're the boss and you tell everybody, what their answers to the quest quiz is, and you, you want to basically create a little church for you, the pastor, knock yourself out. That's not what we're talking about. And that doesn't end in a good place, by the way. What you want to do 
is to develop um, to develop a pack of freaking lions around you, men that you respect, men that you will receive from, men who will who will be so bold as that they would correct you when you get out of line with your life or with your doctrine or whatever. Um, and the Lord told me a long time ago, um, when I came to Cincinnati, I just didn't, I was alone. I didn't have a network here. And I remember saying to him, um, where, where is the, we were part of house churches in Texas and I've kind of had that tight knit thing wherever I've gone, came here, didn't know anybody and asked the Lord, where, where's the, where's the group that you have for me here? Lord, show me the group. I will find. And he said, you're going to grow the group that I have for you here. And I thought, dang it, Lord. Oh, oh, dang it, Father. No, please have this group be existent already so that I just get to drop in and then they can be a real blessing to me. And so if you want to grow people around you, and yes, you can grow your peers. You can grow your peers to be more like Jesus. Then then put the weight of leadership on them from time to time, as I've said, and I feel like I'm repeating myself for now. So anyways, that's my first point. Second point um, is the teaching. And if there's some hot book, which everybody's interested in, it's, it's a, it's a Jesus book. John Mark Comer gonna, wrote it. I think it's going to help us be closer to Jesus. Okay, dang it. Okay, we can do, we can. All right, we're going to do this book for three weeks. See how it goes. And then we're going to come back. All right, we, we, maybe we could do that. We've never read Final Quest. It's kind of a crazy out there book. We want to read that. We'll compare it to Scripture. Okay, I would say great. Then as we pass it around, all right, Michael's going to talk to us. He's going to lead a discussion about chapter one. But I would say Michael as you're talking about the final quest or Mark's John Mark Comer book, which is going to be slow. It's going to be a slow read. Everybody. He's going to, he's going to tease out the concepts very slowly. No, it, with me on this? it's 250 pages that went down in less than two hours. So it's not slow. No, it's an easy read because it's very short sentences. That's right. Okay. Reading you. level, but he's going to take, two chapters to make, to give you one concept. That's yes. It could have been a Christianity today article. It could have been an article. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I'll take this opportunity to say we love the guy and we especially love the podcast, this cultural moment. Oh yeah. I so, recommend his stuff. So I'm not knocking I'm him. Throwing that out. Yeah. So you, I would say, okay, well, Michael's going to handle chapter one this week, but what you have to do as you're pre as you're, reviewing this book and we're all reacting to it is Michael, you have to bring a teaching from the Bible that leapt out of the pages of this book because we're a disciple group and we're not John Mark Comer's disciples and we're not Rick Joyner's disciples. We're Jesus's disciples. So we can use this book, but it's going to be a diving board to get into the scriptures. So It's got to be. It's got to be Bible-y. And my my deal has always been that I want to develop um, literacy, biblical literacy, and guys. So my my deal has always been you have to, if you're talking about one passage, you got to back it up with another passage or two from somewhere else. Um, that'll just help us. It'll it'll keep us out of weirdness and it'll make us more biblically literate. You could say our rule is if you're teaching something from the New Testament, you got to support it with the old. Or if you're teaching something from the old, you got to support it with the new. Great. Um, that that'll just help everybody. So, anyways, that's the that's the dude. That's the deal. I I said that as a, as an as a exception to be doing book study, but Bible study should be your meat and potatoes. So. Most of your group should be, we're just talking about the Bible. If it helps guys with some rails, we're going to walk through Paul's epistles. We're going to walk through Romans. What Or or if your guys are at a place where they're self-starters, they're going to be spending time with the Lord already, then great. You just have to bring to us whatever God's telling you through the scriptures, but it's got to be Bible-based. Um, now on that challenge piece I brought up, 
we have to encourage in guys that they are challenged, that they are challengers. Men want this, they want the opportunity to do this, but it's so culturally rare to be in any situation where any kind of challenge is received at all, that you probably will have to mandate that for a while to get something natural to come out of your guys. So, I mean, I would make it as simple as, well, we can't get through with Michael's teaching because um, we haven't had two challenges to what he said yet. So we're just going to sit here and wait. We have to have two challenges. Anybody? You've got to question him, at least have a question, say, are you sure about that point you made, whatever, that there's got to be the back and forth of guys going, I'm an equal owner of this meeting. I'm a participant. I have the right to speak. And just because he's the one with the Bible in his hand doesn't mean that we can't challenge him. We have to challenge him scripturally. And you might stump him. Guess what, everybody? You might stump him with a question. Uh, I don't know that. Well, great. Let's mix it up. Anybody else in the group got a thought on that? Uh, we don't know the answer. Guess what? Who's teaching next week? Paul? Paul, you have to find out the answer to that question for next week, and maybe they'll help you lead, whatever. Um, that kind of arm wrestling, spiritual arm wrestling that makes us all stronger, that's got to be happening in your group. What do you think? I mean, I think that I'm sitting here going, there's little pieces of this type of thing happening in different groups I'm sort of doing. Yeah. But it makes me mostly fired up to think about, well, maybe I should just do some cutting and pasting and smash yeah. the right people into one thing. It's it's kind of midrashy what you're describing, which is a a word that Jewish guys and families and women all use to mean we're going to get together and take apart a passage of scripture and it's going to be kind of a Socratic question-based walkthrough of something. And yeah, um, so there's components of that and what you're saying. It just sounds fun. Um, how do you... I guess my only question is I've been a part of a lot of Bible study groups that aren't fun. So no. are you going to give us a, a little bit of salsa to put on this to make sure it doesn't yes. fall into, we have these ruts that we've developed in yes. years speaking of, of boring. Yeah. Speaking of boring, I feel like I'm dragging on with even this discussion. So I'm going to zip through a couple here. Another thing is that you have to encourage and model active ministry. Um, so guys are going to share their hearts. They're going to share a past hurt. They're going to tear up as they talk about their marriage. They're going to share about pornography, failures. And when that happens, we cannot be these emasculated groups of church boys who all look at our feet nod our heads and wait silently for the next thing to happen. We've got to encourage that these, that these kinds of groups are, people are jumping up on their feet, putting hands on that guy, and immediately we start prophesying, we start praying for each other, that the laying on of hands and the dealing with stuff, we're going to deal with stuff in this group, that's got to be an, a cultural expectation of the group. And so guess what leader guy, you're going to be the only one that does that the first like five times because people aren't used to seeing other people do that. And you might have to say, Hey, Jim, come over here, lay hands on Bob with me. I will pray. You don't have to do it, but I'm, we, we got to pray for him right now. He's hurting right now. Is there a verse that comes to mind to anybody for Jim right now and the place that he's hurting in? You know what? Why don't we just sit for two minutes and wait for the Lord? And let's all listen to God. What's your heart for Jim right now? Let's let's speak. Let's speak the words that we hear God's saying for us. I want to be in that group, guys. I want to be part of that group. And and just between us, I am. I am a part of that group. I, I have those groups of guys. I, I just this uh, last weekend, I went on a long run um, with my friends uh, Brad and Jonathan Seeds, Johnny Seeds, Johnny Apple Seeds. Um, and 
one of those guys started t- describing a challenge in his life. And man, we both, I, I was having goosebumps. I mean, we we're on like mile six and I'm getting goosebumps because I, I'm just going, this is the Lord, what's happening to my friend. It's painful for my friend, but verses started coming to mind. I'm just telling him what God's put on my heart. And we're just, we're just so excited for this dude. We just stopped, laid hands on him. You know, there's, of course, the onlooker looking at us, staring at us. I don't know what they're thinking, but we got hands. He's got hands open. We got hands on him. We're praying. And as we're praying, I'm just thinking to myself, I love these guys. (laughs) You know, like I got to be with these guys more often. Um, We're going to go on the deep. We're going to go to the deep end and, and, I want to experience the giving and receiving of gifts with, with my bros. That's what, duh, that's if that's, if we're in these groups because we want to be great disciples, then we got to push each other into the deep end with like doing these stuff. Okay. Next point, what you said, there's got to be a fun or creative element of these. They, we've got to have fun to, to, in being together. So well, we're just going to eat of the Bible. That's going to be our, that's going to be our fun is the fun of the Bible, guys. Um, that maybe you don't know how guys work. If that's what you think there, there has to be fun elements of this group. So, um, you know, just talking to Adam about this, he, he didn't even mention this as I was asking him about these groups that he's done for his sons and their friends. And he's had such unbelievable success. He now finds himself discipling, the fathers of the sons of his son's friends. And now the fathers are coming to the group that he created for his sons and their friends. And he's even led some of these guys to the Lord. It's, it's incredible. Um, But he just kind of mentioned, Oh yeah, of course. I mean, Oh yeah. I mean, we take the first like 45 minutes and they're playing their stupid video games or they're shooting baskets. And of course we do that. I was like, that's not, of course, that's a really, incredible insight that you have. And he talked about a a men's group that he'd led where like, they always started, um, you don't have to do this way. And whatever you think about this, I don't know, but they always started the first like half hour of their meeting was always cocktails. Somebody, somebody had some idea for some drink there, there, these couples would get together. They're doing cocktails and talking about what's happening in everybody's life and just having a good time together. Then they go like, okay, let's go downstairs and they meet in the basement and do, do the Bible stuff and ministry and whatever. And then, you know, when they said, he said, these were long meetings that we had with him because there was social stuff. We did the Bible. Then we, we sort of stopped that. And then it was hangout time. We turned on the TV and we got some food and charcuterie board and, you know, fun stuff. And, and the so Holy Spirit say, can really move when it's had a, a couple bourbons. Well lubricated. <laughs> um, um, so, I, you know, you could tell your leaders or you could tell the other guy, hey, this is Michael's week to teach. But this week, Paul, you're going to bring, you have to bring a competition to us or a snack or a, I don't know, anything, something that's fun that we can do. That has, that, that should be a part of your group. So, um, like I've talked about me running with these guys, I had a a meeting this past week in my hot tub, praise the Lord. Um, just great, you know, just, just, just having fun. Um, and on that same note, I think that you should have a dumb night every so often, whether it's monthly, every six weeks, it's just a dumb night. It is just blowing off steam. It's just cornhole or cards or basketball or whatever, just a fun night. It has to be fun. Guys, your groups have got to be fun or they're going to turn, they're going to devolve into church world. Okay, my last point, I'm, I'm sick of talking at this point, but my last thing is that you should share your vision and you should make guys buy into your vision before they can be part of the group. So you describe to them. And is that why this is on a finance podcast? Because we're going to talk about how much to charge them? <laughs> no, this is oh. on the, the podcast of I uh, like being a leader of it says lead your home and boss. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this sorry. Yeah, so this is part of the home leading thing. It sounds crazy. It might sound too formal, sounds so stupid. Why would I do it this way? 
you should do it this way because you'll have to think through it and you'll have to articulate. I think you should present the guys with some kind of manifesto. You don't have to call it a manifesto, a description of what the group will be like, what the weekly meetings will be like, the expectations you have on them and have some kind of statement like this is for guys who want to follow Jesus with everything in them. Do you want to be part of the group? And they got to make a decision, yes or no. But you've laid it out for them. There's not going to be, hey, man, just come along because we're buddies. And then they come along like, oh, guys, man, I, I don't know if I'm ready for this. kind. Of, this is kind of a busy time in my life. Wah, wah, all that crap. I've had that happen before. It's not fun. So just tell guys right up front. Um, I know people who have had people sign a, a little like agreement that I'm in on this thing. So you had to think about it. There's some responsibility there. Um, so I, as I said, I enjoy, I, I enjoy the benefits of this kind of stuff. I was with a group this week. Um, we're, we, we're also kind of, um, versed in this kind of thinking that we don't have the, these little rules that I just set up, but every guy walks in knowing, I mean, I, I will sometimes walk into the group with my journal and a Bible going, I got, I'm about to give them five minutes. I don't know what anybody else has planned for this meeting, but I, they're about to hear from me because God's got something on my heart. Or um, this week I was with this meeting. I'm thinking of uh, <clears throat> my friend, David Sheldon was in this meeting. <clears throat> we started talking about something, just sharing um, social media, blah, 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 current events. And he goes, man, I, I got to pull out my, my notes from the Lord. Um, some time that the Lord that I had, I, I got to share with you guys from Psalm seven. He starts talking about Psalm seven, something he saw in Deuteronomy thirteen, connecting the dots. I mean, I'm scrambling for a pen. Like this is wow, this is radical. And we spent probably the next twenty to thirty minutes all just praying, because it led us into what did I say? Active ministry. So I, we want to respond to God to what you're saying. This is you know this stuff matters. And I can just tell you guys that I, I'm going to make a statement here. I think it's the case that for my walk with Christ, nothing, it, nothing means more to my life than having a small pack of guys around me. We're all going in the same direction. We all have expectations that one another are searching the scriptures. We're, leaving, we're leading lives of prayer and repentance. We're trying to lead our families the best way that we can. We're trying to lay down our lives. Nothing means more to my walk with Christ than having that group of men. I, I would sell my big barn, the 501c3. I'd sell them down the river in an instant before I let go of that group. I, I, I would, I'd let go of this and any kind of podcasts and books. I'd let all that go before I... I uh, jettison my my group of strong men around me. I just have one question because I I got fired up listening to this. I I feel like a lot of people are going to hear this, and I hope go all right. I'm going to try it. Let's how do it. How many guys should oh, they start question. with? Well, now you're now you're exciting me because my my degree was in communication. So I know exactly how many guys there should be to make a group 4.2 the best. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now that point 0.2 guy is hard to find, but when you found him, the magic, I know a lot of wow. point 0.2 guys. <laughs> Good point. Uh, well said. Touche. Um That's true. Uh it has to be more than 3. So four is the smallest that that group can be. And um, communication theory tells us that once we get to eight people um, feeling known by that group, there's a breakdown in, in feeling known and feeling a part of things and feeling that if I wasn't here, it, it wouldn't have made any difference. Mm. So we can't, we can't be so large that you could hide or feel unimportant. Um, which is why a group of a hundred people in an auditorium 
those there are things that can happen in those meetings and they're not worthless that's for sure those those big meetings are not worthless but you cannot do first corinthians 14 26 in an auditorium with 100 people which says that when you come together everyone has a teaching a hymn a word a tongue an interpretation all of these must be done for the strengthening of the church is what that says that doesn't happen in a in an auditorium with 100 people so um I think four to seven people is ideal. Now, if you've got guys who they get it, man, and there's no, there's none of that uh, social pressure and all of the kind of formality of it is gone because you're just with mature guys. Well, obviously, a group of two is great, and a group of three is great, and anything's great. But if I was creating a group today and I wanted to create this dynamic, it would be between four and seven. Awesome. Well, I didn't oh. know what we were going to get into, but I'm glad that we did. That was really great. So Sorry it's so long, everybody. Thanks for hanging in. Hope it was hope it was beneficial. Yeah. Until next week, guys. This is the Abraham's Wallet podcast. I'm Mark Parrott. I'm Stephen Manuel. We'll catch you later. <laughs>